All right, welcome back to Problem Solver Politics. I am your host, Cardin Ellis, with Cody the Oracle. Hey, everybody. And it looks like Humanity Ford has made its official, or officially has made its first endorsement. Cody, tell us what's going on, my man. All right, cool. So uh, I think this was announced yesterday, but I thought it'd be fun to go over this and talk about a little bit of it. more. Um, for those of you guys who did a little bit of a refresher on this or didn't know, Andrew Yang launched... God, it's hard to say time-wise now. So much stuff's happened in the news in the last few weeks. I believe a few weeks ago, he officially launched this Humanity Forward uh, Fund. And we're going to go through here and look. And one of the number one things they said they're going to be doing with the fund is endorsing and providing resources to political candidates who embrace universal basic income, humor-centered capitalism, and other aligned policies at every level. Uh, and then as we're recording this, we are right now kind of currently waiting to hear. It's definitely not universal basic income, but we're waiting to hear the results on uh, the House vote on the um, coronavirus relief bill that would have $1,200 going to roughly everybody. So that we're going to have to keep an eye on that. But in the meantime, we're going to go through and see who is the first person that Andrew Yang and the Humanity Forward Fund are going. Uh, people that are active on Twitter, like myself, definitely probably recognize the individual. So here we go. This is a different and happier note. I am very proud to introduce the first Humanity Forward endorsed candidate. He is Dr. Jermaine Johnson, who is running for state representative in District 80 in South Carolina. I got to know Jermaine when he became campaign chair for the Yang Gang in the state as our first hire. He said to me, I'm joining this campaign because you're right about both the problem and what we need to do about it. So we'll go through and see a little a little bit more of the stuff he wrote about it and we'll take a look at his account and Twitter account and his So website. working in that Yang gang, working in the Yang gang well, paid no, but, off. But no, not, well, he's been I've, he's been running and uh, been prominent for a while. It's interesting to see, uh, it's cool to see them finally announcing their first endorsements and who they're going on. It, just, it is weird, right? Thinking about like, yeah, there's elections coming up with all the crazy stuff going on. But, um, the reason I want to talk about this, especially today, though, is because obviously I doubt he's going to be the last, right? Yeah. Andrew Yang's probably going to be endorsing a lot of people at the Humanity Forward Fund, but it's really interesting because, again, I've seen him, and we're going to read through some of his uh, accolades as well, so there we go. Jermaine is very accomplished. He's a doctorate in business administration with a concentration in organizational leadership. He is the third vice chair of the County Democratic Party in Richland County, the recreational commissioner, and the vice chair of the Young Democrats of the Central Midlands, minority caucus chair of the Young Democrats of South Carolina, and member of the Democratic Black Caucus. And Yang's favorite part about him, of course, is that he is a baller. He played professional basketball in the D-League and internationally as well, and he played at college. Uh, all Wait, my- in the D-League? Yeah. Oh, in the NBA D League. Yeah, it's, okay. a, it's a developmental league. Actually, technically, I was I was thinking it was like you know how there's double A and then triple A and well, so on and so the, forth. The NBA is trying to was trying to create something like that. I think it's actually. I was thinking, crap! If you're in the A, B, C, or D league, I didn't realize D was short for development. Oh. <laughs> I was like, well, the, that's like well, life on the a, D list. A little, <laughs> a little kind of interesting thing about that is because of that, it's now called the G League. Um, because people did keep thinking that there yeah. was some A, B, and C. No, it was the developmental league. And every, by the way, every sport needs to have one of those. Uh, to, anyway, though, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get lost in that. Just yeah. want to highlight that this is somebody who's definitely got a lot of qualifications. Like I said, I've seen him; he's very prominent and active on Twitter, and just by and large, been someone who's carried himself very well during it. Honestly, man, if I was running for office, Twitter would be the scariest thing to me. It's so yeah. easy to just <laughs> blow up on Twitter and make us look like a moron. Uh, uh, but this guy's. This guy is definitely a serious dude. We're going to show his account and some other stuff. And then I want to talk a little bit more about, in general, the idea of... Because this is what we, from the beginning, I was talking about for what the Humanity Forward Fund's really going to be a strength for Andrew Yang in. And it's going to be getting people, people like Jermaine, all across the country, various different seats, probably a lot of con- congressmen or congressional members, Yeah. Okay. Um, pro-UBI and, you know, isolating like the people like he's like obviously ran through this guy very 
very well-decorated individual. Seems like a pretty good guy. He could win the seat. Like, finding people who can win, because then all of a sudden, Andrew Yang could be He's the kingmaker. He, well, not, not the kingmaker. He's king the UBI kingmaker. Come saying, on, that's what he is. Well, not, he, well, not that's quite, what it is. Not quite. He's got a, <laughs> maybe down the line. But okay. in the short term, he could find himself maybe sitting at the top of a decent little infrastructure of pro-UBI candidates across the yeah. country. Uh, what would be really fascinating to me, as we, as we mentioned here, uh, uh, clearly a uh, big-time member of the local, uh, not local, but just in his in his local Democratic Party. He's definitely very engaged. What is it? A vice chair of Young Democrats. He's the minority caucus chair of the Young Democrats of South Carolina. I wonder if, this is what I want to think about too, do you think, I think it'd be effective if he could do it, if you could find a pro-UBI, if they could get a pro-UBI Republican congressman in, yeah. Because imagine having a bipartisan mini coalition pre-built for your pet thing. That could be powerful. I that's down the line. I don't want to. I don't want to speculate that that much. But if we're talking about the idea of building up a little bit of a kind of network here of people that are you know pro UBI across the board, because another reason why you want to do this is if you want to get UBI passed. And again, I'm just going to run through his website real quick. All of that scrolling. But if you want to get UBI passed, right? You obviously are going to need help from the House and the Senate. Like, yeah. if you're going to say we're going to, well, get that's what happened with Nixon. Yeah, is well, he kind of backed down as well? Well, see, it was Nixon that did, but it was interesting. His Senate passed it, and then, uh, sorry, no, the House passed it. There was one time where the House passed it and the Senate didn't. There was another time where the Senate introduced it and the Nixon nixed it. No pun intended. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, two of the three steps of the process were met multiple times. And so going forward, we know that we would have to have, most importantly, it's hardest to convince the Congress more so than it is the one man to sign it once Congress has. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, and it's, all, it's just a, it's it's kind of, I think, the best way. By the way, I, I believe Bernie Sanders did something like this, but it's like if Bernie Sanders really wanted to get, I guess he's older, though. That was the problem. But yeah, just start getting Medicare for all people or whatever your whatever your thing is you want done. Start supporting Congress and Senate races on that thing because then you already have built in support because they also become powerful endorsements. They become powerful advocates they become powerful surrogates. I think that one of the problems I don't want to get too lost in this, but I actually wonder how much did Bernie Sanders really do that? Did he really curate? a base of fellow senators and Congress people that are pro UBI by throwing his weight behind him. Cause yeah. I, I feel like uh, AOC was one of his biggest, like as far as prominence as an individual and being a surrogate for Bernie Sanders, she was a surrogate and she was very famous. I don't think, it, I don't think she won with a lot of support from him, right? You're kind of bringing people in. I think it could be really, really fascinating to have. And again, you know, there's, we, we can go through and there's a bunch of people. And I, by the way, if any of you guys, a lot, I know a lot of you guys reached out to us. We haven't started interviewing anyone yet, so I haven't wanted to get back to anyone yet and schedule anything until we're yeah. ready to. Disclaimer, you are not being singled out. <laughs> we have, no, no, but yeah, just yeah. waiting until we can get more set up. I apologize if anyone has got back to him. But, um... I think it is a good idea for Engine to go about it this way. But the other thing I'm thinking about as well when it comes to uh, the Humanity Forward Fund's individual, that's the word I'm looking for, kind of staying power of it is it's also kind of goes both ways where you're, you're then going to have people in the higher levels of government also interested in the hopefully more low level advocacy of it as well, which I don't yeah. know. It's fascinating to me. I haven't, I, I'm sure this stuff isn't some 
political revolution, like the idea of doing things this way. But it does seem to be a farther view than I, I see a lot. From I see so much, so much of what I see in politics now because social media, I feel like, is so short-sighted. I guess that's yeah. the point I've been trying to get to is no, that's to the to, huge. This seems like a very yeah. long-sighted view from Andrew Yang. This is a if I could have people I endorse win in the next two, four, six, eight yeah. years. Holy cow! Is that going to go a long way to getting UBI passed? Yeah, and uh, I I really think that that's the only way to go about this is just accepting that the next two or three short election cycles are going to be sacrificial lambs, but in that process you'll be able to put out a lot of a lot of power and not a lot of power, but a lot of groundwork, and that ultimately yields power. And Andrew Yang does seem like somebody who is in it for the right reasons and would not be corrupted by that power. So, so I, I'm happy to see people like him doing this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then it, I also want to, sorry, just uh, to point to the 80th district of South Carolina, uh, where Mr. Johnson will be running. Apparently, and I, I'll look up what the, the ballot looks like this year, but apparently in 2018, this Jimmy Bales character ran, ran basically unopposed. And ran oh, with, with, won ninety seven percent of the vote, but you also notice there's only nine point seven thousand votes, right? Like, so there's another thing. There is nothing I wanted to show you. This it might well, look different this year. There is actually so many vulnerable seats across the entire country. Yeah. If you, I think, if somebody legitimately sat down, looked around, because every now and then, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say it's, but like, all I'm going to say is people like Nancy Pelosi, man, she hasn't ran unopposed every time. Maxine, I think most <laughs> yeah. of the time, but like a Maxine Waters hasn't ran unopposed. Every time I, uh, who are the big, like a Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell's, they don't only run on a post. They just always win. It, there's some states that are just kind of like, yeah, you got to kind of weigh the chips and be like, dude, I mean, this person had that spot for 40 years. Like, why don't we find out? I'm not saying that this Jimmy Bales character isn't like that, but there is seats across the country. You actually can win and you want to find those and endorse those candidates the most. Um, just the biggest thing is that there's just there's some people that are so entrenched and established in their seat. Yeah. I feel like what's easier to do is flip the seats around them in the Senate or the House and make their positions less Untenable. popular. Or just less popular yeah. to the point where they can't just get away with it forever. But I mean, we're, we're talking. We'll see what the House does today. But the fact that Nancy Pelosi, if she if she if she gets voted again after it's been a rough, very rough tenure Speaker of the House for her so far. I don't know. We did that video. We but did that video people, a month they, ago. They went forever. We did that video a month ago, and do you remember, this percentage is seared in my mind. Do you remember what the lowest re-election year percentage was, Cody? And for those of you in the audience who don't know what we're talking about, um, every two years, obviously, the House of Representatives um, is up for re-election, and it's every six years for the Senate. And the incumbents generally have the advantage. If you're already in office, the chances are you will get reelected. But uh, it's interesting. In very popular years, there's a certain percentage of, you know, of all the 300 or some odd or 400 some odd um, House of Representatives, congressmen, uh, what percentage of them get reelected every year, despite having sometimes as low as a 13% approval rating as a whole, okay, an individual congressman will oftentimes have a really high, a 60, a 70, an 80, sometimes even a 90% uh, approval rating because people think, oh, Congress sucks as a whole, but my congressman is good. He's the one good one, but all the rest of them suck. And this psychology ends up leading to, do you remember what the average percentage was of re-election 
Yeah, well, and, every cycle. Yeah, because incumbents win. It's like like 80 percent. Incumbents always no. Win. The lowest year was eighty five percent reelection, and on average, it's in the low nineties. Nine out of ten congressmen get re-elected, no matter how badly they suck, no matter how horrible, how partisan, how untenable, how insufferable, how corrupt, how adulterous, how drunk, how drug addicted. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they get re-elected because of gerrymandering, uh, political laziness. See, I, I don't know what. I I. This might be a little bit unp- un- unpopular, but dude, okay. I am so tired. Everyone, apparently, you don't lose elections. They only get gerrymandered away from you. I've heard that no, from I, everybody forever. Or if you lose, it's voter suppression. <laughs> That's the new one. It's voter thing. suppression. It's, well, not even just Republicans, Democrats. Like, freaking, I'm sure the Green Party loses because of gerrymandering. Uh, Everything. <laughs> it's, part. I'm sure that, that that does play some part in. But the bottom line is, you're running to represent a locality. You're not running to represent a national party for the most part. And I still think like. By and large, that's how people vote, and I, I this I don't know. I, I just I kind of bristle at this notion that they 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 find a way to somehow always restructure every district to always win. When I say they, I mean the opponent of whoever lost. It doesn't matter what side. It doesn't matter if you're Republican, Democrat, what. It's always they did X to us and we lost, dude. Sometimes it's just they didn't run a good candidate. Like that's the other thing too. It's like I would say three out of ten candidates I see in general that I really get a good long look at for any seat. And when I say they, like. Pick two from this, two from that, two from any kind of random seat across the country. Maybe three and ten are legit candidates in any given year, right? Like let's say what's what's the about incumbents? Like challengers, maybe three and ten challengers, like legit like politicians that could. I mean, and, and the reason why I say that is because wow, what do you know? It's not easy to just run for office and win. It, it, it's almost like it takes a certain person with a certain skill set to do these things. Now <laughs> there are some people I don't get how they held their seats as long as they are, but there is something to it. Like this notion that people just win because. There's maybe it's not the skills you value. Maybe it's the sucking up to the right people and playing the right political games and endure and the two facedness. Yeah, maybe just having connections, right? But that's still a thing that people have to do to get to these positions. And uh, I don't know. So I, it's one of the reasons why I think it, I, I I I bristle at the idea that every lost election and I always it, oh they did X Y or Z to us. It's like dude, like no, I'm not talking large, about lost elections. No, you know I'm, I'm just I'm just a little tangent. I'm just saying, by yeah, okay. and large, if you have five people running for an office, there might be one of them that actually has any business holding that office, right? Maybe. Yeah. Sometimes you got zero. You got five people running, none of them got any business holding that office. But I don't know. Um, I did have one question about uh, Jermaine Johnson here. Yeah. What is his little logo? If you click on his website and you go to it at the very top, yeah, right there, right at the very top. Is that a palm tree and then like the Turkish crescent moon, like the the Muslim uh, first aid, not first aid. I'm the closest living relative besides my mother to Clara Barton, the founder of the American oh, Red Cross. Really? I didn't know that. And, yeah. And they had to change. Before. Yeah. No, they had to change in order to do first aid in the Arab countries. Instead of being a red cross, they had to change it to the red crescent. Um, and it's backward, not backwards like that. It might be because the screen's flipping it. But is that what it is? A palm tree and a oh, crescent? I think it looks kind of cool. I'm assuming, I uh, have to admit, I'm pretty ignorant of geography. I'm assuming that's just the state of South Carolina. I would say one thing, aesthetically, looks kind of like a diamond. I think that's cool. What it means, okay. I don't know, man. You're going to have to ask him. All right, rock on, whatever. I was just wondering if he was like going for something there. And the palm tree. I'm like, what's the palm tree? <laughs> you know, I, was like, I, I think they have trees in South Carolina. Could be wrong, but yeah, I think no, they but do. South Carolina is beautiful. It's not. Uh, it's not. Uh, 
I don't think palm trees are native to South uh, South Carolina. In fact, I'm pretty sure they're not. But anyway, um, native to California? No, they're not native to California either, and I hate them because they give everybody rats. They actually, it's kind of funny. Side note: If you ever look at the pictures in uh, of Echo Park, there was no metal bands around. Um, where did Andrew Yang have his rally again? What was the name of that park we went to the L.A. rally? Well, the, which one? There's two. Uh, the second one, the big one that was all fatty. It wasn't the one in Pershing Square. It was the one at not MacArthur Park. Was at it Echo MacArthur Park? Park, or was it Echo Park? I don't remember. Anyone. Either way. Both of them had these big, huge palm trees that have been there forever since they filmed like these movies in the 60s and the 70s. But when you look at them in the movies, they don't have these metal bands around them. Now they have these big white metal bands around them. And those metal bands are to keep the rats from being, <laughs> from being able to crawl up them because they can't get their paws on the metal bands because they're not allowed to use rodenticides inside the city. And the rats are so bad. So anyway, yeah, I'm hugely averse to palm trees because they give everybody rats. Anyway, um. I think it'd be interesting to talk to this guy. Let us know what you guys think in the comments below. If you haven't been able to follow us yet, make sure you follow us on Twitter at PSP Radio One. Okay. Also check us out on Facebook and Instagram and your favorite podcast platforms because the audio of this goes out every day on your favorite podcast platform. This is Problem Solver Politics. We'll see you guys in the next video.